We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings in the Prophet, peace be upon him. We're continuing with Rumi in discourse number seven on page 51 of the, of the book and page 70 of the PDF with the paragraph that begins, When Ten Friends Share. When ten friends share a garden or a shop in common, they speak as one, they plan as one, and their work is with one thing since their objective is the same. So on the resurrection day, since the affair all, of all will be with God, they will all be one. Okay. So here I think this point uh, for our purposes is straightforward. Uh, <coughs> we're, uh, the, the first part of this discourse was saying that you know religion has never been one, right? We're three Muslims right here. And each of us will have our own very distinct approaches to Islam, even though we won't really consider them to be differences. But if you look at how I'm living my life, how you're living your life, how you're living your life, they are three different things, right? Three different priorities. And you and I will be much more similar than, than you know, people in a different crowd. But nevertheless, it's three, okay? Except if we are working with the same specific goal. So, like, suppose you're in the same movement, right? Same jama'ah. <laughs> Right, and here, yeah, here the example is that you're working in the same shop, right? So whether it's related to the akhra or the dunya, if in that project you have the same goal, then suddenly you become one. Okay? And so the lesson here becomes then something that I think we all understand very easily is that when you're on your own, you have so much level of iman. But when it's all of you together, then it's like your iman combines to something much greater. Yeah. Right. And so the jama'a is almost always better than, than the individual. Right. I remember a professor Nisansi from Loyola, yeah. like when I was there, he was talking about how like uh, he was talking about how like um, and it was just a point on Tawheed, like he was saying like how because a lot of people take salah or like you know take the like okay the five daily prayers congregation is like oh we're supposed to like we're supposed to uh, be organized or do you know like you hear in like some rhetoric with some movements like it you know, they try to derive different meanings from it, but he was saying, like, one of the things he observed, and he's a sociologist, was, like, uh, you know, because Allah is one, like, we have to worship him as one. Uh-huh. This sort of thing. So oh, just, as one group. As one group, yeah, right? So, like, one. because, like, yeah, so, like, that's that's part of that's part of uh, recognizing and acknowledging Tawheed, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. Like that. We worship God as one body as well, mm. because He Himself is one. That's mm. yes, And even you, you have me thinking. I don't remember if we talked about this in a previous discussion. How abrasive it is if you have a bunch of people who are praying together, and someone is either not praying, yeah. or someone is praying, but not with them. That's just very, very abrasive feeling to us. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, whether it's because someone belongs to you know some other some other sectarian outlet or what. Yeah, it's very. I, I felt that when I went to India for the first time. Because I think, more or less, unless you're going to a very, very sort of quote-unquote Hanafi masjid, yeah. very Deobandi type of Hanafi masjid in America, most American Muslims, when they when they come to like Salah, for example, they miss the prayer, people will get together and make like a jama'ah to pray. Mm-hmm. You know, I noticed that in India, like, they don't do that at all. So yeah. it was so weird to me. Because what do they do? They pray by themselves they don't like if you miss a prayer you know it's like five people I guess it's one of the opinions in, in the madhab yeah you're not supposed to yeah so they like they legit pray by themselves like you know and so that was so weird to me it threw me off mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying and I was just like you know and I remember one time even in Ikna like some uncle had just come over for the first time from India and he called us out on doing that he's like there's already been an adhan made here you can't yeah. do this 
And for us, it was so weird. Mm-hmm. We're like, look, there's like 10 of us. We haven't prayed. Why can't we pray together? Why can't we get that reward of yeah, praying right, together? Right, yeah, right, right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, the basic way I was taught is, I mean, this is peripheral, but um, is that um, if you're at a location where it does have known prayer times, mm-hmm. if you've on his main and they've done Jamaah, then and you come late, you pray individually, oh, even if it's 10 of you. Yeah. 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 One thing you said, like, because I remember, I think it was in a class I took at Loyola, there was a lot of Muslim guys, and it was one of those three-hour, like, night classes. It might have been your class, I don't know. But, uh... Uh, like we had a break from Maghrib and one of the brothers wasn't he wasn't Sunni uh, I don't know what what yeah. he was right but I just remember oh, I, I know what you're talking about yeah, yeah, yeah like and so we'd all pray Maghrib and he came with us but he prayed like in a corner by himself yeah. right and I'd see him like in my prayer and it was so like almost unsettling uh-huh. because it felt so strange I was like uh-huh. and he went through the same motions but he uh-huh. was at a different pace and it was like it was weird, you know, because like all the guys and all the girls, right? Like we were all mm-hmm. praying in the room, and he was in the room, but he wasn't praying with us. Yeah. It was just like it was bizarre. And, and for him, that's his norm. Yeah. 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 And like, th- yeah, that's crazy. Or like here or no, no, no. He was, uh, he, he, he was not so near here. But the, the point being that uh, uh, one thing we still have, mashallah, um, is this sentiment, uh, this feeling, whatever you want to call it, that. Um, if someone is not praying with you, you feel like something's wrong. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the overall point is that if you can work so that you have the same goal, then uh, then it'll be as though all of you are one unit. Does okay. this, so does this also speak to, like, in manner, like, is, you know, with community issues, for yeah. example, is this a prescription in the sense that, like, if there's, uh, if there, I don't want to say disagreement but if there's like serious divisions the way to get through it is having like like working together towards common things yeah. or like and how do you implement that like what yeah. what are some things you can set as a oh the community can work towards these tangible mm-hmm. objectives mm-hmm. and to help men like that's it, that's exactly what you do like i mean sometimes if you have a, a very serious community polarization and you really sincerely believe one side is right, the other side's wrong, you might be contributing to the fitna by siding with the side that's right. Yeah. Right? Uh, as opposed to trying to be the bridge builder in between. Right? Because everybody can find places where they can have common ground. Yeah. And that's what you start with in any issue, whether it's a, you know, a global conflict, you know, a political conflict, or, you know, a community matter. Uh, you look for the places where you can begin to establish common ground. And sometimes all it is is people eating together. Yeah. Right, that becomes your starting point. But yeah, Muslims in food now. Yes, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's continue. In this world, in this world, everyone is preoccupied with a separate affair. One is in love with women. One is in love with wealth. Another engaged in acquiring possessions. Another in acquiring knowledge. Everyone believes that their cure, their joy, their pleasure and comfort can be found in that one thing, and that it, <clears throat> and that is a divine mercy. Because when they search, they cannot find, and so they return. And they have waited a while, they say, after they have waited a while, they say again, that joy and pleasure must be looked for. Perhaps I didn't try hard enough. I will search again. Then they look again. But they still cannot find their desire. So they continue until that time when truth removes its veil. They then know. So this is interesting, because this is getting into something that we would perhaps call addictive behavior. So... (coughs) you're going to be attracted to things that give you joy, right? 
And, and so it could be the company of specific people. It could be like the examples here, love with women, um, love with wealth, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, and then that will give you joy in, in a way. <clears throat> what are you saying deep down inside? The pain that is in my heart, um, that is my separation from Allah Ta'ala. This is curing it. Right? Physiologically, we'd say that's how dopamine is getting released. Now you're feeling uh, joy, right? Or maybe even Oxycontin. And so, uh, and so you, this separation that you have from Allah Ta'ala, you're seeking to fulfill it with this worldly thing. But then you're going to find out, you know, that it's not fulfilling it. So some people will go even deeper into it. They'll take more, mm-hmm. right? Um, other people will eventually give up and go to something else okay, that is giving it to them. Um, or maybe you'll determine that this thing that I'm so into might be harmful for me. So let's say like alcohol, so you switch to something else. And you're going in it trying to fulfill that specific particular emptiness that cannot be fulfilled by anything of this dunya. Okay. And so it's saying the joy and pleasure must be looked for. Perhaps I didn't try hard enough. I'll search again. And so that's someone who's going looking again in the first place, in the first uh, object of, of desire. Then they can't find it. And so what will happen? Some people will look from thing to thing to thing until they come to Allah Ta'ala, right? Uh, and some people will keep searching until truth has removed its veil, meaning until death and the day of judgment. And then they'll see that they were looking in the wrong place. Could it also mean until, like, that happens before they die? So if it happens before they die, truth removing its veil would be when you find Allah Ta'ala. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Like, uh, what are they, what's the, I think, modify? I don't know what they say. So, yeah, I mean, we call this modify or something, right? Like, what's Yeah, modify gnosis. And, but uh, the point to distinguish is that some people will turn to Allah not realizing that they're not turning to Allah. So, right. That's sort of my question um, in the sense that what, like, how do you, you know, because he's speaking of, like, this searching yeah. Or like this thing, and like, how do you distinguish that between, like, between like okay, searching for a companion or mm-hmm. wanting wealth or wanting things mm-hmm. that I think at some level people want normally, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So how do you dis- like how do you find that? Like how do you know if it's a deeper mm-hmm. question or not? Or like, um, yeah. I don't know. It's such. It seems like such an intangible yeah. thing. Like, well, it's <coughs> it comes down to what are you compromising on, right? So let's say you have this love for this woman and you're then skipping prayers. Then what you're actually searching for through this woman is to fulfill that void. So your basic measurement is obedience to Allah. Right? That if you're searching for Allah and you're not obeying Him, then you're not searching for Allah even though you think you are. Right? If you're searching for Allah by overriding Allah, then you're not searching for Allah. Right now, here we're speaking about someone who knows about prayers and stuff. Yeah. Right? There might be someone who's just brand new and they don't really have a uh, a sense of, of what how serious the word fard is. Yeah. yeah. That's your basic. Uh, that's the tangible. Correct? This is why I think also a lot of like I remember hearing like a lot of sort of well-known Sufi traditional scholars say that someone who isn't um, someone who doesn't isn't within the framework of the Sharia. But then claims the sawwuf isn't really claiming the sawwuf mm-hmm. because you know that goes back to that I guess the obedience mm-hmm. of the outward obedience mm-hmm. is first before you do mm-hmm. the inward. Yeah, that's uh, if someone is bypassing the sharia, then you have to be very careful. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're really uh, entering some murky waters. Yeah, okay. we, we have that. Mm. You know, because I mean, like, 
I don't know, like, what keeps it, if you don't have the law, what keeps it all together? Like, yeah. what keeps it from just totally making up whatever? Yeah, like, I mean, what you'll, you'll deify your teacher. That Tariq and I that one time in Ramadan. I don't know, but this is being recorded, so... No, I'm not going to I'm not gonna bring you up details. Remember in Ramadan, we took um, that one sister there? The barbecue? Yeah, after the barbecue. Remember, Tariq and I went, and we told you about it. Anyway, that's fine. All right. I don't, I don't know what Omar's talking about. Okay, I'll, I'll, I don't know what either Omar's talking okay. about. <laughs> okay, let's continue. Dad, why, but but, but God has certain... Really okay, mashallah, very good. Okay, but God has certain servants. But... But God has certain servants who know even before the resurrection. Ali, cousin and son-in-law of Muhammad, peace be upon him, said, Even if the veil was removed, my faith would not increase. That is to say, even when the body is gone and the resurrection appears, my certainty can become no greater. Okay, <laughs> think about how, how powerful that is. What level of iman that is. That he has reached maximum certainty. It, this isn't maximum closeness to Allah, but he's reached maximum certainty that there is nothing that can happen that can increase the certainty. He's solid, yeah. which means that he would not be capable of missing any prayers, right? It yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't even be capable of doing it. He's that deep in true reality, mm-hmm. right? Um, his, his... Sorry? I mean, so so hakika is is reality itself, right? And so, in terms of speaking the truth, there's no massaging the truth. He yeah. would speak the absolute truth, which to a lot of people who are not as uh, close to reality, they're going to find the behavior either uh, abrasive, or they're going to find the behavior uh, ludicrous. Right? You know, that's that's interesting because I remember someone we would say, I obviously we're not I'm not comparing him to Ali or the Allah one. But we had we one of like sort of our mentors yeah. in YM. He we would we kind of saw him that way. Not and well, I am yeah. not going anywhere close. But I'm saying in similar terms where he seemed to have this very sort of this confidence that other people didn't have about like faith and things like that. Yeah. So I you know it's funny you say that because I remember a brother saying something like about that about him. They're like either people love him or he gets on their nerves. Like mm. you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like either they love him to death. Or he's like, like you said, it's like abrasive to them, you know? And I find that very interesting that people, like I think that's the only sort of reaction you can have when you're faced with someone who's so on it. You're either, like, you love them or you're repulsed by them. Mm -hmm. So in the context of Ali, may I be pleased with him, who would be the people who would find it abrasive? The choir. The who? Wait. So, So what type of person would find Ali... You know his being to be. That's uh, what I was saying. The kawari? Uh Even or? even simpler than that, it would be the hypocrites, the monophics. Mm-hmm. The monophics would find that level of deen to actually be abrasive. Yeah, because well, to them it's such a lie. Yeah. You know, because they're yeah. I you know yeah. Free, I think it's also like you come. I think anyone who comes to like you know you come to that level of truth, you always have a problem. I think that's what you know the Quran and also the Hadith describes like. So many of the just non-Munafiq Quraysh doing what the Prophet saw. So mm-hmm. when he brought them something, like they were like, they were in awe of this. Like mm-hmm. they knew what it was at mm-hmm. some core level, but they like rejected it. Mm-hmm. You know, you they were know, like, ah, I can't do this. I think like just beyond like even faith, like as a more general thing, like it's very hard to confront certain truths about yourself mm-hmm. or like, yes. you know, like, so when your friends tell you, well, you know, you're really like this, it's hard, it's really hard to like, uh, 
accept that, mm-hmm. right? And like you don't even know how to deal with it in your life. Oh. Sometimes you want to be like, no, 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 they, they don't know. And like these could be like the closest people to you or your mm-hmm. siblings, right? Like you can, they can tell you something and it'll like, you know, you'll be like, it, it'll shake you and it's hard to confront with like the reality of who you are as a person or your flaws or like, you know, there's times where I talk to people like, um, like someone will be like, oh, I'm writing. I'm writing poetry, for example, and like you'll uh, you'll if you want to critique it or say something, you know, they'll take it as this very serious. Like they're not ready to hear like your real opinion on it. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I'm trying to get at is like I'm almost in awe of, of someone being in you know the truth, the nature of like the world, or you know um, the truth of God, so to speak. It's not like. It's not this. It doesn't seem like a point of ecstasy. Mm-hmm. It's like this hard reality, mm-hmm. right? So it's not like it, there's good and there's bad, and there's no like going around it. And it's. It, I feel like it takes an immeasurable amount of strength to like really, it's so really crazy. accept you can't it. Even imagine it. Yeah, you to can't, accept I mean, it. He, he, like you said, you phrased. I think you phrased it perfectly. You didn't say like. Um, what, wait, what? How did you phrase it again? Like you phrased it. He wasn't. He wasn't this way, but he was certain. I think you said something. He wasn't like I don't even remember. <laughs> I think like you, I, I don't remember, but basically just the, someone who is at that level, like going off of yeah, their their certainty can't increase. They yeah, can still get closer like, to a level, but their certainty can't increase. Like, that's so crazy. Like you're yeah. just like, wait, what? There's like, there's like a there's a there's a stop to this. I yeah. thought you just yeah. you know you, no, just, you always feel like there's something more. You always <laughs> yeah. feel like it's know. it seemed like an embodiment. I remember when we first started reading, like trying to you know going through the Quran. Uh, with you and there, I remember we were talking about how like you know Allah SWT doesn't there's no sugar coating it in the mm-hmm. Quran right so it starts off like these are good people mm-hmm. these are bad people these are hypocrites mm-hmm. like there's no it's it's like right away this is serious right mm-hmm. like it's like yo, this is the world this is how it works uh, you know and this is who you are as human beings and this is sort of the manifestation of that of someone who's like well yeah this he is embodies it, it yeah. yeah he embodies that like unflinching nature like you know where we we also we often talk about the process on being the live Quran but you could also say by extension the Sahaba are the same way mm-hmm. and for them like you know the same way like like Adnan said it great I think where there's certain eyes of the Quran you read them and you're like afraid because like you just the reality of that is so like it feels like it turns you inside out you're like this is too real for me like you know what I'm yeah. saying and you're like like it, you basically have to submit yourself to it, mm-hmm. and there's a part of you that doesn't want. The part to. you doesn't want to deal with. Yeah, it, the right? part of you like just like I so don't want to deal with this. Yeah. And, but to imagine that like personified, that's just crazy, mm-hmm. you know. And I, I was also gonna say earlier when we were talking about this, like going off of hypocrites and, and also the the kafar of uh, Mecca. This is a guy. It, in my head, I'm thinking this is a very satanic impulse, like where you're literally. It's almost like you know, with him, Allah Subhanahu was talking to him, and he told him to do something, and he's like, no, like he, I mean, like he had no. If you think about it, sort of like there actually, no, there was no you know, or rationally, quote unquote, like he, there was no veils, there was nothing. Like the reality of the universe was before him, and he rejected that reality, and that tells you like human beings are utterly capable of that like where they're just turning their back on the reality in the world so easily yeah. and I know this is off topic <laughs> but I'll ask anyways because we're here I remember I wanted to ask you about like um, I remember us discussing miracles right and why they didn't 
and I don't remember why, but we were talking about how they didn't, you know, for Benny Israel, they didn't increase their, it was a temporary thing, and mm-hmm. I was wondering if you could just remind us, like, why, you know, <laughs> so, so, when we think of something miraculous happening, whether um, we speak of the miracles that the children of Israel faced, or the perfect thing happens to you at the exact perfect time, right? Um, think of a miracle, the way a lot of people turn the miracle unwittingly into wealth. So, you receive wealth, okay? It should increase you in your relationship with the law. It should increase you in gratitude. Yeah. But if you uh, are expecting it, or you're not giving it much, um, the fact that it's giving you from a law, not much attention, yeah. then it's not going to change you, right? And and you would think that you see something miraculous should change someone to have them turn to a law. But you know, like your examples, um, the Quraysh had the Prophet peace be upon him in front of them are hearing the Qur'an from him in their language, in their dialect. Yeah. And they're recognizing this could not have been from God, and it's turning them away, yeah. right? And so so the point is that uh, a miracle can do the opposite effect by making your heart hardened. Yeah. I mean, it's not the miracle that's doing it. It's yeah. you that's doing it. Yeah. So it's your response yeah. to it. It's, I mean, it comes down to either you're going to receive it in your heart or you're going to reject it. I think another way like I like to think about it is all of these things are from God. Like, you know, miracles or just everything in creation, right? And it's like, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, they're all signs. And it's up to you to take them or reject them. So, like, you know, like, you know, we, people reject things all the time when it comes to stuff like that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you can literally t- take anything as a miracle if you wanted to. And so, so to take this point now to its full conclusion, we spoke about someone who receives a miracle, someone who receives wealth, but what about someone who receives loss? And suffering, right? That I should be just like you. The point made, uh, Omar. I should be looking at loss as a miracle, also, right? And that should bring me closer to Allah. But it's very easy to conceive of someone who suffered tremendous loss turning away from Allah, yeah, giving up. Yeah. Right. But or even just questioning it at a, at a bare level, like yeah. not even turning away, but you just your doubt just becomes so mm-hmm. much more at that yeah. time. So for someone like Ali, may Allah be pleased with him. Um, he could be uh, receiving some sort of ease, and that is Allah Ta'ala taking care of him. He could be witnessing a miracle, that is Allah Ta'ala taking care of him. He could be experiencing loss, and that is Allah Ta'ala taking care of him. Right? When he said this, was he, like, what period was it? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I remember something along these lines, but I don't know if this was him or someone else, but I feel like it's him. I remember reading uh, where he said if, if, Paradise and hell were brought before me. Um, I wouldn't fear hell, and, you know, any more than I already do, or I wouldn't desire paradise any more than I already do. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. Alright, let's continue. So this is uh, this is like a group of people. Um, this is like a group of people at prayer on a dark night. They turn their faces in every direction, being unable to see. When day comes, they all turn themselves around, except for that one individual who through the night was facing towards Mecca. Why should that individual turn around? So these special, so those special servants of God keep their faces towards one even in the night and have turned their faces away from all else. Therefore, for them, the resurrection is already manifest and present. Okay, so this is also a, a very neat passage. So you have a, a bunch of people who are, who are uh, waking up for the Hajjud. Okay. And it's totally dark. You can't see where it is. So you make an educated guess which way is the Qibla, and then you pray. 
you're still praying to Allah Ta'ala. Inshallah, you're still going to get full credit. Then you have that person who intuitively knows which way is Makkah, in addition to the fact that he is praying to Allah. Right? And so he himself does not need to churn. Okay? The other people, once a little bit more light has come to them, then they adjust. Right? And so, so we're saying you can reach a point, this point uh, of maximum certainty, I mean, which we would call certainty. Yeah. Um, but you can still get closer and closer to Allah. The right, right is already there in, in that other, other But we're saying, um, uh, even Ali may be pleased with him, to speak, um, uh, perhaps in his last year, he would say he's much closer to Allah than he was a year before that. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know, even though his certainty. So like even, yeah, like you could be certain, but like you could always receive more light. Yeah, certainty is basically certainty. Yeah. Okay? Um, that's different than getting closer and closer to Allah. You think you can also, I also think of when you said this, this example is you think of Ibrahim Ali Islam, right? Even with him, he was like, I want to, you know, he was, he's someone who's, you know, as close to, um, as close to certainty you can get, or if not as certainty, but even he, he wanted, it's like, I want to get closer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we, we call Ibrahim Ali Islam, he's at the level of certainty. Yeah. And he wants to even reach the point of complete satisfaction of the heart yeah. uh, and, and beyond. So, so the point being that, yeah, they are fulfilling everything, but as soon as they got a little bit more light, they even straighten themselves out further. And so another way to think about your, your experience in life is that you're, if there's a perfect calibration in your relationship, though, you're straightening yourself out more and more and more through the course of your life, you know, as you receive more light. And so these are people, they're already getting up and, and praying, and so resurrection is already, uh, they're already breaking one of the things that's the most satisfying of them all, your sleep, yeah. to pray to Allah. And if they knew exactly which way is Makkah, they would be doing that. Yeah. Is, is that why, like, actually, no, this is like a shower thought. I'm gonna okay, continue. <laughs> there is no end? There is no end to words, but they are given according to the capacity of the seeker. Okay, so that's a, that's a, that's a, a proverb on its own, right? Meaning you are only going to be able to get as much learning from a lecture or a lesson that you are capable of gaining. Okay? Which then, make it wider, you are only going to get as much uh, Iman as you are capable of getting. And what is that based on? How much you're seeking it. Okay? You're going to get as much Iman as you're seeking. If you're not seeking, then you might be given some Iman, but it'll be hard to hold on to. And so the core is to be continuously seeking. And seeking here just doesn't mean intellectually, because the problem there is that I might just be trying to get knowledge, knowledge, knowledge mm -hmm. without implementing it. Yeah. So the seeking here is that longing of the heart that we've been speaking about, yeah. right? So it'd be fair to say Ali may be pleased with him. His longing didn't end, yeah. right? He just knows exactly where to, to, where to direct it to without question, right? So that feeling, that feeling won't necessarily go away. Correct. But you need to, you need to know what like will help uh, yeah. satiate it. Or, so not satiate, I think like. Or to uh, help fulfill it, you know. Yeah, to help quench it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so bringing this back to what we read a couple paragraphs ago, you're gonna some people who are for that long, you're gonna turn to alcohol. Yeah. Some are gonna turn to women. Some are gonna turn to buying things, and they'll find that these things are not satisfying, except in the moment. Yeah. Um, but then, the person who's turned to Allah will find satisfaction, but also increased longing. Right, and and so the more longing you have, the more iman you can gain. Okay, let's continue. But uh, again, if you don't have longing, you're not going to be seeking iman. Then you're going to find satisfaction. 
and that would be getting closer and closer to hypocrisy. The hypocrite is not seeking. Wisdom is like the rain. It supplies unlimited, but it comes down according to what the occasion requires. In winter and spring, in summer and autumn, always in due measure, more or less, but the source of that rain is the oceans itself, which has no limits. Druggists put sugar or drugs in a twist of paper, but sugar is not limited by the amount in the paper. The stocks of sugar and the stocks of drugs are unlimited and unbounded. How can a piece of paper contain them? Okay, so first, the amount of wisdom that's available. This is one of the things that's actually difficult about our deen, is that there are so many doors through which to get closer to Allah Ta'ala, it's easy to fall into the trap of trying to do all of them, right? Or even, <coughs> there are so many Sahaba, the Prophet, peace be upon him, said, you know, my Sahaba are like the stars in the night, follow any one of them, you're going to be guided, right? And so it's very easy, especially in our current culture, the type of learning we have is you feel like you just have to do everything. Yeah. No, you take one step. Okay? So it would be sort of like finding one of the companions and follow that one companion right? Uh, in the way that companion follows the Prophet, peace be upon him. And so, so the point is there are so many doors at any given moment to connect to Allah Ta'ala that it's easy to make it feel like it's overwhelming. I, I also feel like there's a sense in our community that like we treat the Sahaba as this monolith. Uh, yeah. And I'm sure like I'm sure people who know right like don't do that, but like you know for for the rest of us, like, you know it feels like it's just this monolith thing. It's like the prophet and the companions, and they're not treated as like, and we don't learn about them as these nuanced, particular. You know, human beings who have preferences, who have whatever, and like, uh, I feel like that lot. I don't want to say, like overlionization mm-hmm. of them, in a sense. Not, yeah. not to, I, and I don't mean to take any disrespect away from this. Respect. Yeah. I don't want to put disrespect on their name. Mm-hmm. So a way to think about it that is that in terms of the adab about which or with which we speak of the Sahaba, right? We speak of them with the most ultimate respect. Yeah. Right. I mean, they were the companions of the Prophet, peace be upon him. And without them, we would have no connection to the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. And another way to frame this is that we do state that Abu Bakr and Omar have very clearly different uh, personalities. Yeah. Right? So we do have a little bit of sentiment of it. Yeah. Right? Abu Bakr, Omar, Uthman, Ali had very, very different, different personalities. Yeah. And then add some of the other companions. And so there is a little bit of a sentiment of that. Yeah. Right? Um, and look at them each as doorways to get closer to the Prophet, peace be upon him, who is a doorway to get closer to Allah Ta'ala. Do you think, uh, do you think, like, we should focus more on different companions in the sense that I feel like, I don't want to say, we, uh, I'm trying to think of a good way to phrase this, but sometimes people will say, like, the Prophet say something, kind of like you said, he would do X, Y, Z, right? And he sort of did it all, mm-hmm. in a sense. And, like, do you think it'd be a more useful tool to be able to learn about the companions to like kind of get a sense of like you know different things you can do uh, or well <clears throat> um, I'll, I'll frame it this way uh, as a way to get closer to Allah Ta'ala right um, you start with his book you start with his prophet peace be upon him and this also includes your own reflection right because yeah. obviously we don't have any intermediaries yeah. these are the prophet and are not intermediaries yeah. right but as you get closer to the Prophet, peace be upon him, you develop love for him. Yeah. As you get closer to the different companions, you also develop love for them. Yeah. And that should be a pathway to develop love for the Prophet, peace be upon him, which is a pathway to develop love for Allah. Mm. So 
I think it is beneficial to get to know the lives of the Sahaba because that yeah. adds more dimension to our knowledge of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Well, from that perspective, yeah. right? Not in the sense that, you know, get to know this other Sahaba and you're going to learn all kinds of different ways of doing things because you're not going to find that. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but what you will is get additional uh, dimensions to your appreciation of the Prophet, peace be upon him. Yeah. Um, okay, and so so the other part he's making there um, is that, okay, so that's, you know, like with the rain is coming from the ocean, which is essentially unlimited. And the analogy of that, that that's being made there is the pathways to guidance are so widespread and unlimited. So you can keep getting closer and closer to Allah throughout the whole course of your life. This is the difficult thing. Like uh, we often, even with this being New Year's, we often look at things according to New Year's resolutions. Um, um, but perhaps with someone at the level of Ali, may Allah be pleased with them, he'd be at New Day's revolution, resolutions, right? Where this particular day, he is actually consciously getting closer to Allah than he was the day before. It doesn't necessarily mean leaps and bounds. It's, you know, small steps. And so you want to be able to say of yourself in the different aspects of your, of your uh, life that you are holistically closer to Allah than you were a year ago. And then, okay, the druggist puts sugar or drugs in twisted paper with sugar is not limited by the amount in the paper. So that goes back to the point that you're going to receive as much as you're capable of receiving. And how much you're capable of receiving. And the example of the druggist is it relates to how sick you are, right? And the example of someone who's searching for guidance is how much are you seeking? And so what if you feel like you don't have any longing? Then you fake it until you make it, right? You go with the disposition of longing. And you make du'a with that, that will hopefully then increase you in longing. The outward. So essentially starting with, with the outward. Um, okay. Um, let's see. Um, let's, do, let's do one more paragraph. Okay. Some people utter taunts at Muhammad, saying, Why does the Quran come down upon you word by word? Why not chapter by chapter? Muhammad answered, What do these fools say? If it were to come down upon me all at once, I would dissolve and vanish away. Okay, mashallah. <laughs> this is the Prophet, peace be upon him, receiving the Quran. And so what is it that is making it so that he doesn't dissolve and vanish away? When he re is receiving a few words at a time, he is embodying it. Okay? And that is bringing him closer. Right? And another way to think about this, this point of, of, of uh, dissolving and vanishing away. So suppose you're someone who just takes in all this guidance, um, it, or not the guidance, you take in all this knowledge. This is not the prophet piece you on, but this is you and I. Um, it'll start distracting you. Yeah. Right? It becomes more of a burden than a pathway. Because you take, you take more obligations and yeah. you take more things uh, than you're ready to sort of like yeah. deal with. Yeah. And so this is, this is uh, one of the important points that when someone's gaining knowledge, they have to go with the intention of trying to embody it. So even what we're covering in these 20-some minutes, you have to go with the, uh, the, the consciousness that you're going to try to embody this from the moment you leave this room, right? Uh, otherwise, what are you really gaining? You're gaining something that's going to distract you, right? Um, okay. Um, so... Another point to, to take there is that, okay, these people, the Prophet is calling them fools. Uh, they're not understanding or appreciating how serious all this is. Yeah. They're taking it very lightly, yeah. right? That it essentially becomes a play, and they're just throwing nonsensical questions. And what are we talking about? We're talking about taking life as serious as it actually is. Because 
Imagine how serious the Day of Judgment is. That means, by definition, that's how serious this dunya is. Yeah, you know, something like that struck me with even what the Quraysh would say to the Prophet is like, it's not, uh, you know, the questions they asked were not of like serious, it's not someone who's seriously trying to engage, right? Like, if like you thought, like, you know, they didn't come from people, it didn't seem like they were people who like believed but had these doubts. You know what I mean? Like, because I feel like somebody who had those things, the challenges or questions they would ask would be totally different, yeah. right? Because you'd want to know more. You'd be seeking something. Mm-hmm. Well, like, how do I know? What should mm-hmm. I do? Why do you feel this way? Mm-hmm. But the questions were very, like, uh, to, for lack of a better word, petty. Yeah. Right? It's I like, think that's a very good word. Why don't yeah. you, like, you know, oh, well, have God do this, this, and this mm-hmm. for us. Like, yeah. you're, not, you're not even trying to engage. Yeah, that's exactly it. So it becomes a type of play. It becomes a type of mocking. Yeah. Uh, and 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 so the point is that is uh, either you take the world very seriously, or you don't. And part of the process of getting closer and closer to reality is also appreciating how serious reality really is. It's easy to intellectually conceive of it, um, but you know, try to imagine how colossal your day of judgment is going to be. When you are facing Allah and it is inevitable, there's no way around it, and you're going to be standing there completely alone, right? Which then means that this moment that you and I are in are that serious because this is what's going to play out on that day, right? And 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 so that is another way to develop longing is by way of fear. Right? Fear is a type of longing. Hope is a type of longing. Right? Okay. So let's stop right here. A lot of very, very heavy material. And then we'll continue in the sign up until the next time. So we ended with the paragraph at the bottom of page 53 that says, If it were to come down upon me all at once, I would dissolve and vanish away. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashadu illa ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik wa akhri da'wana anilhamdulillahi rabbil alameen.